BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Hope you are all well, hope you're all good, hope you're all looking forward to the big match coming up this evening. Of course, England taking on France in a roundabout six hours time. Don't worry, um, we're not going to... Uh, ask you to watch or listen or pay attention to anything outside of that because it is obviously such a huge game from an Arsenal perspective. All eyes, I'm sure, will be on Bukayo Saka as well and, um, of course, William Saliba, if he is involved as well. There's a couple of uh, other players involved, but obviously Aaron Ramsdale, for example, is not going to be um, in the uh, in the England starting lineup. we don't think, anyway. So uh, hopefully he'll be kept wrapped up in cotton wool and, uh, and sent home. Uh, if England crash out tonight and uh, hopefully if they continue to progress and go through, he'll be wrapped up in cotton wool for just that little bit longer before sent over to Dubai uh, to join up with the rest of the Arsenal team. It's a big, big game tonight, a cracking game. We'll talk about it briefly a little bit later on in the podcast. We'll also reflect on what was an impressive day, wasn't it, of football yesterday. Uh, a, a couple of World Cup classics on the same day. What more could you ask for? It was really, really brilliant. We'll get into all of that. But we're going to talk Arsenal first and foremost, because there are lots and lots of rumours doing the round. Now, I have to stress that they are rumours and I have to stress that, you know, these are not pieces of information coming from me. So please do not jump on other platforms and say, Harry said this, Harry said that. No, I'm not saying anything. All I'm doing is reporting some of the other reports and uh, we will give some opinions and share some thoughts on those views uh, views, stories. I'm all over the place today. Do you know what? I've had such a, let me, let me just get this off my chest. I've had such a weird day today. Um, I wanted to do this podcast at about 10 30, 11 AM UK time. Um, that was my plan when I got up this morning. And then I remembered that I'd booked the gardener to come and sort out my garden. Uh, I'd booked the gardener to come in and do the front and the back. And, you know, you know, when you've got people sort of working in your house, you, you don't necessarily feel comfortable to just like, disappear and and go off and do stuff especially when it's not somebody that you know um and then obviously i had to pause what my plans were for you know the the very beginning of the day delay them and that led to me pushing the podcast back and then it got to about 11:30 and i thought i'll sit down and i'll do the podcast now and then he started with the mowers and the chainsaws and god knows what else and it was too loud and too noisy so i decided to just push it back um until uh now and uh, yeah, I'm glad I did because there's plenty of you watching us live and there's plenty of you with us, which is always great to see. Also, a big shout out to the gardener as well, by the way. He's done a cracking job. And, you know, what What was it this morning? Minus two degrees. Mate, hats off to him because my hands, having been outside for about 10 minutes while he was showing me stuff, uh, were absolutely frozen. So, yeah, fair play, man. Hats off to you. 
Uh, brilliant job. If anybody needs a gardener in the London area, North London area, hit me up. I'll give you his details. Uh, a little bit of promotion there. <laughs> uh, let's say a few hellos uh, to Temi. Uh, let's say hello uh, to Ali Mame, to Matt, who joins us, to Nav. Uh, Alex is with us as well. He wants Bukayo Saka home. Big hello uh, to Matt, to Gavin uh, as well, to Alejandro, to Alex, who says, any tips for some championship bets today? Any experts here? Mate, after the tip I gave you guys uh, around the Portugal-Switzerland game, I'd stay well away from me. Although I did win two bets yesterday. Um, I had uh, Brazil-Croatia to be under two and a half goals in 90 minutes, and obviously that cashed uh, because it was nil-nil. And I had um, Netherlands and Argentina to finish as a draw within 90 minutes. I was very lucky with that one because obviously the Netherlands equalised in the 10th minute of stoppage time. But yeah, I'm on decent form in the World Cup, aside from that howler I had the other day. But the championship, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Uh, big hello to uh, Alejandro. I think I already said that. Uh, Matt says, just wanted to say rest in peace to American soccer journalist and legend Grant Wall, who passed away at the Argentina-Netherlands match. He was a pioneer for the sport in this country and will be missed. Do you know what, Matt? That was on my agenda today uh, to talk about um, Grant Wall because, listen, I didn't know Grant Wall. I've never had any dealings with him, any interactions with him. I know a lot of my colleagues did. A lot of people that I work with, um, you know, had, had spent time with him, had, um, you know, had, had taken advice from him, had uh, followed his work really, really closely. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm, um, you know, you know, I know lots about him and and that I, um, you know, was a friend or anything. I hate when people do that. I hate when people pretend uh, that they had a closer connection to someone because they want to milk the attention uh, from their passing. But this is really, really sad news, isn't it? Really sad news. And um, just by looking at the outpour of emotion on social media, on Twitter, on various other places, and, you know, you can see how much he meant to so many people, how well he was regarded as a journalist, how um, well thought of he was in terms of his work and obviously his influence in bringing the sport to a much higher level of popularity in the US was, you know, incredible. And, th and that's what he'll be remembered for, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you know, I wanted to say rest in peace, not because, again, as I said, I know him or anything like that. Not that you need to know someone to say that, but, you know, it, it was clear to me of his influence. It was clear to me that he was um, somebody very well regarded and he's somebody that was on my radar so obviously when you work in this business and in this industry and you know how much effort people put into it you I think you have a, a newfound respect for them I mean when I was just a fan there were certain journalists that I'd look at and I'd go yeah I, I think you talk nonsense to be honest and I don't really like your work I'll be honest I, I thought that of a few people but the more you get into it, and I think the more you see what is required and what the job entails, the more respect you have for these people. Um, and when they do excellent work as well, well, then they're absolutely legend, absolute legends. And uh, Grant Wall falls into that category. So rest in peace to him. Um, my condolences to his friends and family. Uh, really, really sad news. And it's kind of cast a shadow over what was obviously a great day of football. You know, it's a big, big loss. And um, yeah, I'm sure you're going to see many more tributes to the man uh, over the next few um, sort of days and upcoming weeks. Uh, Matthew says, first time I'm joining Harry live. Wow. Saying hello from Toronto, Canada. Matthew, welcome, mate. Good to have you. Really, really good to have you. Um, great to, to see you in the chat. Uh, what else have we got? <laughs> Matt says, uh, blink twice if the Evan Endika rumours are true. Blink four times. Does that mean they're double true? Or does it mean they're nonsense? I'll leave you guessing. <laughs> no, honestly, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, thank you all uh, so much, as I say, to everybody joining us live in the chat right now. But let's move on then uh, to talk about some of the stories uh, that we are, of course, here to discuss. Let's start with that rumour concerning Eintracht Frankfurt defender Evan Ndika, just 23 years old, but is out of contract with the Bundesliga side next summer. Now, the way this story came about, the way this report came about, um, was not because somebody went fishing to see if Arsenal were interested in the player. This is where it's come from. It's come from Il Romanista, which is a... Uh, 
a newspaper and website, uh, one of my colleagues tells me, in uh, Rome that covers Roma um, at great length. And apparently, uh, AS Roma were looking to try and sign the player in January. Now, they looked at Evan and Dika's situation, uh, of course, with Eintracht Frankfurt, well aware of the fact that his contract is coming to an end and felt that because of that, they could get a deal done in January, potentially, for a, a decent amount of money. And so AS Roma, of course, led by Jose Mourinho, uh, inquired. They inquired uh, with uh, not Eintracht Frankfurt, but they inquired with Evan and Dika's people, as I understand it, whose response was, no, we're not going to make a move in January. We're not interested in a move in January. What we want is to run down the contract. And apparently they said in that conversation uh, that the player already had an agreement with Arsenal to come to the club in June. Now, this would feed into the whole idea of Arsenal planning ahead, a couple of windows ahead and, you know, being really, really proactive and, and looking to bring in players that can strengthen the side all the time and looking to be quite savvy and clever in a transfer market that is very, very demanding because we talk a lot about money. We talk a lot about what Arsenal have at their disposal. We talk a lot about the fact that the club reported yet another loss. We talk a lot recently, haven't we, about how the Cronkies are looking to move the club back towards safe, uh, safe sustainability, self-sustainability. I'm all over the shop today. And, you know, this would feed into that. If you can pick up a decent player at 23 years old on a free transfer, then that's pretty good business if he's the right fit and the right profile. So what do we know about Evan and Dika? Well, we know that he's made 15 Bundesliga appearances so far this season. He started every single game and he's played in 99% of Eintracht Frankfurt's minutes this season. He's also started in all six of their Champions League games. He provided an assist in one of those. He made one appearance in the UEFA Super Cup, of course, because uh, Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League last season. He is a Europa League winner, um, despite being just 23 years old. And he's a centre-back who's quite comfortable playing on either side uh, of the centre of defence. So whether it's right or left, uh, he's pretty comfortable. Now, he is of Cameroonian descent, but he is French and has been capped by the French under 21s. So, um, looks, a, looks a decent player. Um, if you ask me, you know, looks like someone that has, for a 23-year-old, quite a lot of experience. And I say that because he's won a Europa League. He's a regular in a Bundesliga side. He's not someone who's wet behind the ears. Um, you know, and, and this is Again, we talk a lot about the profile that Arsenal are looking at. We talk about uh, the way that Arsenal quite like to sign players who haven't quite re reached their peak yet, but who can and who are not a million miles from there. And they'll be hoping that Mikel Arteta's coaching and, and various other aspects and elements uh, around the club can help him go on and fulfil that potential. And then you have a very valuable asset and you either you know use him and, and make him a part of your team and build around him and strengthen your squad or you might decide in the future that you want to sell him on and if you've signed him for nothing and he's 23 years old and he's getting better and better then obviously his value is going to be pretty damn high and it's a pretty easy bit of business to do so look Arsenal are looking at players Arsenal are scouring Europe and and beyond in order to try and identify talents early that's part of the strategy at the moment um but they're not going for complete youngsters. And, and what I mean by that is they're not going for 18, 19-year-olds who haven't played any football. They're looking at young players of the right profile who actually have a fair bit of experience behind them. And Evan and Dika certainly fits into uh, that category. Now, I say that he can play on either side of the, the centre of defence, but he is left-footed. And when you think about it, Arsenal only have one left-footed centre-back right now because obviously Pablo Marie is not with us at this stage. Um, and... So we only have one left-footed centre-back. We have, you know, Saliba who can play on the right. We have White who can play on the right. We have Tommy Asu who could play there as well. So I'd say for right-footers, we're pretty well covered. But left-footer is something that I would say, you know, it isn't my priority. Obviously, I think we need a, a winger. We need a centre-midfielder. I wouldn't mind us getting another striker in as well, just for a bit of depth. But probably next on that list, you'd say, is a left centre-back. That's one of the next positions that we need to address. And obviously, this is a deal that Arsenal are looking at, if these rumours are to be believed, for the summer. It's not one that you're going to see happen now. So, yeah, um, 
you know, it's an interesting link. Uh, as I always say, if we get to a point where we feel like this deal is very likely to happen, if we get to a point where we feel as though this deal is, um, you know, something that is is very much in the pipeline, and then we will get on an expert, a Bundesliga expert, and we'll dig into it a little bit deeper and and give you guys much more of an insight than I could ever provide on the player. But as I say, left-footed centre-back, 23 years old, got plenty of experience behind him. In fact, let me tell you exactly how many games he's played um, for his, uh, his various clubs. Let me just wait for the page to load up. Bear with me just a second. Uh, where is it? Evan and Dika. I had it up on my screen and I foolishly closed it uh, just a second or so ago. Um, while I find that, though, another interesting thing to note on Evan and Dika is that if you look at his valuation on on various different websites, now I know these websites aren't, I always say this, they're not always the gospel, right? They don't always give you the exact valuation of a player, but they give you an indication. When you think that this guy could be available on a free, I'm sure you'd want a signing on fee. I'm sure the contract would be pretty hefty off the back of that. And that's probably why he wants to run the contract down because free agents have that power, don't they? When they make their next move, they can demand the biggest signing on fee because you're not paying a transfer fee. They can demand the biggest salary because, again, you're not paying uh, a transfer fee. So, yeah, it, it puts the player in a power position. But when you think that this guy in June will be available for nothing and a couple of websites, so Transfer Marked and uh, SofaScore, uh, are valuing him at 31 and 32 million euros, respectively, feels like a bit of a steal if you could get this done and get this over the line. Uh, stats by club then, Evan and Dika has played 162 times for Eintracht Frankfurt. Pretty experienced. And in that, he scored 10 goals and provided 10 assists. So that's 20 direct goal contributions in 162 games. For, for a centre-back, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good, um, I would say. Oh, uh, what am I doing here? There we go. Is that working? No? Yeah. Can you hear me? Everyone hear me okay? Yeah. Cool. Oh, one sec. There we go. I think we got it back. No? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I, honestly, I'm having all sorts of tech problems uh, at the moment. Bear with me a second. What's going on? Let me just have a quick look at this. No? One, two, one, two, one, two. Oh, this is a nightmare. One second, guys. Let me just take this out and plug it back in again. I don't know what's going on. Give me a second. So sorry. I honestly don't know what's going on with my stuff these last couple of days. How about now? Nope. How about now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? One, two. I need to turn the volume up. There we go. 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 Sorry about that. I don't know what the hell is going on with my stuff. Honestly, it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, that's where we are. That's where we are um, with the Evan and Dika stuff. It's not a done deal. It's not one that I even know is true. Um, but it is one that's been reported by an Italian outlet off the back of them digging and trying to get uh, a Roma angle. Um, so, yeah, let's see. See what happens with that. Okay, so that's the Evan and Dika bit. Let's talk a little bit briefly before we move on about João Felix. I talked about him uh, quite a bit uh, this week because he's a player that I really like and a player that I would absolutely love to see come to the Arsenal. Um, there was uh, some reports doing the rounds with regards to the Portuguese uh, international. Uh, I said to you guys that although Atletico Madrid would publicly tell everybody that um, you know, they want 120, 130, 140, maybe even million euros. Uh, actually, they would accept quite significantly less than that. And Atletico Madrid, apparently, according to Nizar Kinsella of The Standard, have told people that they want 86 million pounds. Lower than what was initially reported, but still a lot higher than I think it will actually take to get this deal done. So I still believe that if you went to Atletico Madrid with 65 maybe 70 million pounds, you could get this deal done. I even think that if the situation between Joao Felix and Atletico Madrid continues to deteriorate, you could even do it cheaper. I honestly believe that. You know, people laugh at me when I say that. I put a little clip on TikTok where I said that and people went absolutely mad and, and you know, 
ripped me to pieces in the comments. But I used to say the same thing about Martin Odegaard. Those of you that have been watching or listening to this long enough will remember that that summer when we were trying to sign Martin Odegaard and people were telling me, no, 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 we should sign Emi Buendia instead. It'll be cheaper. It'll be easier to do. I remember saying to you all that Martin Odegaard was the priority and that forget what Real Madrid say publicly, what they say publicly, what they put out into the public domain and what they'd actually come to the negotiation table for are two completely different figures. And there it was. Publicly, it was 70, 75 million. We got it done for less than 35 million pounds. The financial state of Spanish football right now is very poor. Okay. And Atletico Madrid are one of those clubs that are, are going to suffer, you know, as a result of everything that's happened over the last few years. And to that, the player doesn't want to be there. The manager doesn't want him there. And the club's CEO, Kiel Marin, has come out and told the world that they'd have to consider offers for Jao Felix. There is no convincing me otherwise. You know, I believe that this deal could be done for a lot less than is being reported. Now, it's up to Arsenal and Mikel Arteta and Edu and KSC and everybody else involved to decide how far they would go for Joao Felix. But I think he'd be a great addition. And I'd at least, at the very, very least, test the waters on this one. So that's the latest. Uh, according to Nizar Kinsella as well, um, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United are said to be interested in the player as well. Okay, let's take it on to Ben White. Um Look, we heard a little while ago that Ben White had left the England camp for personal reasons. And and a lot of people sort of sat there and said, oh, man, like, I hope everything's OK. You know, I hope this is not anything too serious. Um, you know, wishing Ben White all the best. The fact that the England camp gave very little information, um, you know, kind of indicated that this was something that maybe the player wanted to keep under wraps, that maybe... This was a personal issue in which the press had no business sort of digging into and diving into. And then, of course, we heard uh, some rumours um, that actually contradict that, um, that say actually something else happened. Now, James Olley uh, over at ESPN said sources told ESPN that there was an incident at a team meeting involving Ben White after a report emerged on Friday suggesting he had been involved in a disagreement with assistant manager Steve Holland, but described the situation as complicated. What does that mean? You don't know. But it doesn't mean that Ben White threw his toys out of the pram and walked off and, and went absolutely mad and bonkers, as is being suggested by some people, and that he's a spoiled brat. Uh, they also said, while Ben White, who did not play a single minute at the World Cup, is said to have been dealing with a separate personal issue, sources have told ESPN he was considered aloof around the camp by some of his teammates and struggled to integrate fully with the group. Well, hold on a minute. That bloody changes things, doesn't it? So if Ben White is struggling to integrate with the camp because he's got a personal issue that is obviously playing on his mind and is at the forefront of his mind and is obviously taking over his thoughts, then why the hell, uh, why the hell are people trying to paint Ben White as a, some sort of villain here? What is that about? Like, the, the picture that has been portrayed of Ben White over the last sort of 24, 48 hours is that he's a spoiled brat that got the ass that he wasn't playing and he got up and walked off, had a, a disagreement with Steve Holland, maybe told him he don't know what he's doing and that was that and, and the end of the story, as if he's Roy Keane or something at a World Cup. No, you know, this is very, very different and this is why people need to read the stories and really kind of pull them apart because sometimes you can get caught up by headlines on Twitter and you can get caught up with you know a, a few uh, a few characters and and think that that is the full story ben white has got something personal going on that is that as much as clear okay what that is we don't know and you know what i was glad that gareth southgate um you know shut that down yesterday gareth southgate was asked about it and he said look we've already explained uh, the reasons that ben white has left the camp we've already told you that this is on the basis of personal reasons. And we need to respect that. And that is one of the reasons why I really like Gareth Southgate and, and why I think that he is someone that deserves a lot more respect because outside of the actual football, the tactics, the team selections that people have questions about and, and disagree with and all of that jazz, he's just a good man. A good man who doesn't want any nonsense in his camp, who really backs and sticks up for his players, who really supports his players. And um, and that's great to see because I think professional footballers who are under so much scrutiny all the time 
and have so many wrong things and, and fake stories written about them. It, it's good to see that he's done that. You know, it really, really is. And um, yeah, I've got no doubt in my mind, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, I've got no doubt personally that this is nothing to do with Ben White throwing a hissy fit and walking off. This is Ben White dealing with an issue. Maybe there was a, a an overspill uh, of emotion. Maybe, you know, tensions got high as a result of him trying to cope with this issue. And the decision was taken by all parties to send him home. This is not a, you've gone home and you've been disgraced. This is a, go and deal with your shit, mate. In the way that Raheem Sterling was allowed to leave as well, because he had stuff going on. Um, ESPN also say that Ben White and his partner are currently on holiday in the Maldives. And it's not been confirmed yet when he will return to training. Well, let's clear this bit up as well. Because first of all, if he has left the camp and isn't going to be returning, then he's well within his rights to go on holiday. Okay, all of the players that are involved at the World Cup are going to get a small rest period. Some have chosen to do otherwise. You know, some like Granit Xhaka have chosen to stick around in the region and and go and join the team maybe that little bit earlier. But that's off his own back. Ben White, if he has got personal issues, probably needs this time away with his missus uh, in the Maldives, probably needs a bit of a break. And so, again, why are you trying to make a mountain out of a molehill? There is no story here, really. Um, so what if he's away? Big deal. Um, but again, you know, people trying to make something into a big thing and it just really isn't. So that's the the latest on Ben White. Um, listen, we got to support Ben White. We're Arsenal fans. He's never given us as a fan base any signs, any reason to believe that he's unprofessional or not committed. He doesn't like football. A lot of people don't like that. I didn't like it when I heard it. It, it kind of took me back. But the more I think about it and the more I've had time to process it, the more I think, does it really bloody matter? He goes out on the pitch for Arsenal and he performs to an exceptionally high standard week in, week out. He's been one of our best players this season. And and that, you know, is 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 fact. So say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, wish him all the best. Hopefully, whatever the issue is, it can be resolved and he's doing okay and we can get him back uh, playing for Arsenal sooner rather than later and doing what he does best and that's defending uh, and helping Arsenal to win football matches. Let's talk Memphis Depay just quickly because uh, according to Sport Witness, now they've taken this report from Tuto Juve, uh, which is an Italian outlet. Listen, I always say this to you guys and this is no offence to any Italians, right? I've got lots of Italian friends, but some of the Italian publications... They are imaginative, should we put it that way? They do use their imaginations quite a bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, according to this report, Arsenal have joined uh, the race to sign Memphis Depay as he is the player that fits best to replace the profile of the injured Gabriel Jesus. Arsenal plan to make a low offer to Barcelona in January because his contract also uh, expires in June. So there's a couple of bits I want to touch on here. So is he the best fit to replace Gabriel Jesus? I think he's a great player, Memphis Depay. I really like him. I think he's really classy on the ball. Uh, he's a great set-piece taker. He's got a lot of quality and a lot of ability. I thought that when he came into the Dutch side, having missed, what, the first game? Uh, second game as well, I think, of the World Cup. He really made a difference to their forward line. And, um, you know, I, th I think he's an interesting player. Add to this that we allowed Aubameyang to go to Barcelona essentially for free. And, you know, that relationship is there. Barcelona then went on and sold him and made a hell of a lot of profit, which maybe annoyed Arsenal a little bit. Maybe Arsenal feel, you know, that they were just duped a little bit there. Although it's it's well within Barcelona's rights to do that once they sign the player. I think Arsenal and Barcelona have some sort of relationship that means that Arsenal feel that if they do want this, and I, and I don't know that they do, that they could make it happen. You know, I think Edu is very good at building contacts, his, his ability to build relationships and then utilise those relationships in order to get what he wants is is second to none. And that's one of the, the most impressive things about him as a sporting director. It's why Arsenal have given him, um, you know, that new title. It's why Arsenal have given him more responsibility. They trust him. They trust him enough to give him the keys to the club. And, and that's what they've done. 
Um, so yeah, um, I think that if Arsenal do want this, and I don't know that they do, I think we could make it happen. I don't think it's impossible. Do I want this? Um, you look, if it isn't a massive investment and Arsenal have the money to do it, then I wouldn't be against it. But is Memphis Depay what we're looking for in terms of profiles? Do we need to shake it up a little bit and and maybe just not veer away from our strategy and philosophy, you know, overall, but maybe just kind of tweak it and maybe make an exception because perhaps the club know that Gabby Jesus' injury is maybe more serious than we believe. I don't know. I don't know. But it's interesting to see that Arsenal have been linked with Memphis Depay again. Uh, Barcelona's financial situation, everybody knows about it. They're probably grateful when it comes to players that they're not using if you just take their wages off of them. Um, and I think, you know, that is that is why, although I don't know that this is happening or, or even think that it's remotely close, it's why I, I read this story and I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's one that is completely far-fetched and out of our reach. I think it's something that if we really wanted it, we could do it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so that's the Depay one. And then just finally, uh, we posed the question the other day, didn't we, on our uh, post-Leon podcast around Alexander Zinchenko. What is going on with Alexander Zinchenko? Because he didn't feature in the behind-closed-doors game against Watford, and he didn't uh, feature in the game against Leon. Will he feature against Milan? That is the question. Now, it's understood that he's had some muscle tightness, and Arsenal are being very, very careful with him because of... Um, you know, how, you know, how much he struggled with injury since his arrival from Manchester City. But it is expected, according to uh, a report, that he will be available for Boxing Day when we play West Ham United. But again, this is just a report. It's not been confirmed uh, by the club or anything like that or by Mikel Arteta or, or anyone within the walls of Arsenal. So we've got to take this with a pinch of salt, of course. But it seems as though it's a fitness concern, again, with Alexander Zinchenko, and hence why he is not in the team uh, and, and not involved currently. He was on the bench, though, um, not as a substitute as such, but he was on the bench with the players and with the coaching staff against Leon. I, I saw him there. So, um, yeah, good to see that at the very least he's involved. And if he wasn't, you know, you know if he was seriously injured, he wouldn't be out in Dubai with the guys, would he? He'd be back recovering, recuperating. There'd be no need for him to be there. But obviously he's able to train to some point, to some degree. And, and I think, you know, we'll see him work his way back to fitness. Okay, let's take some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat for the last sort of 10 minutes of the show. So start popping them in uh, and I'll come to as many of those as I possibly can between now and when I go back inside, put the heating on, put my feet up on the couch and turn on the World Cup because that is my plan for the rest of the day. A uh, bit of work to do later on around the England game. But other than that, going to try and take it easy. Going to try and relax and, um, yeah, enjoy the weekend because it's mad, isn't it? Like the World Cup has been really entertaining. I've really enjoyed it. And then you get to this point, like where the semifinals are just around the corner and it dawns on you that actually shit's nearly over. But actually, I'm excited to see Arsenal at the same time. So I don't really know how I feel about this. But, yeah, here we go. Anyway, uh, pop some of your questions in, pop some of your thoughts in. Uh, just a quick reminder as well. If you haven't left a like on the video, please do, uh, because there are 400 of you with us live right now. So there's no reason why we can't get that up to 200 likes between now and the end of the show. That would be bloody amazing. Um, so please do like, 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 subscribe as well, because we're less than 250 subscribers away from that 25,000 subscriber milestone that we desperately want to get to. So please um, do subscribe if you're new and if you're freeloading on the channel. Freeloaded means that you're watching without being subscribed. It's not good enough. Uh, so please do that. And of course, check out our membership proposition over on anotherslice.com. Remember I said the other day, anybody that signs up between now and Christmas will be gifted two months free membership. Um, so we're getting that sorted for you guys as well. So please do uh, if that's something you're interested in as well. Also, you can follow me on TikTok. I've started on TikTok. Um, I started a few months ago. Then I took my foot off the gas with it um, and kind of just left it by the wayside. But I'm getting back into it now. I did um, a video last night talking about um, Emmy Martinez's interview. I don't know if you guys saw that, by the way. Emmy Martinez, um, he went mad after the game. He, he had a go at the referee. He said he's useless and he wanted Holland to score. He 
called out Louis van Gaal for saying that his team would have the advantage if it went to penalties. I mean, hold on, Emmy. Like, what, what's Van Gaal supposed to say? You know what, guys? We got to penalties. We're shit. Don't worry about it. We're never going to win. Thanks for your efforts so far. Pick up your paychecks. We'll see you back at home. No, he's playing mind games. He's trying to G his team up. That's what top elite managers do. And so for Emmy Martinez to get so precious about it, after he's won, by the way, was absolutely mad. It was mad. It was wild. Um, but yeah, I popped the video on TikTok last night, having it uh, not having a go at Martinez, but just sharing my thoughts on the interview. 60,000 views since late last night. It's madness. Uh, so TikTok, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting me now. It intrigues me. Uh, you can follow me on that at just at Harry Simu, all in one word. So yeah, uh, check it out. Um, just quickly on yesterday's football while I'm waiting for a few more questions to come in. Um, Oh, mate, I had an absolute mare with the Brazil-Croatia game. Absolute mare. So I was at a work event where we had the game on big screens and basically that was the event. It was, you know, we we got together as a team and we we were watching the football. And the event was in central London. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm sort of looking at my watch as the game gets to like 70, 75 minutes. And I'm thinking, if this goes to extra time and I stay and watch the extra time and then potentially penalties, there's a chance that I miss the start of the uh, Netherlands-Argentina game. And as a lot of you know, like I'm really back in Argentina. I'm really enjoying watching them play. And so that was kind of like my team and I didn't want to miss that one. That was the one that for me took priority. And I, th I got to extra time and I thought, you know what, I how can I leave this now? You know, it's so finely poised, so finely balanced. And then I see the Neymar goal and I think, yeah, you know what, this is probably done now. You know, Croatia were under the cosh um, at the end of the match, at the end of the 90. Brazil had that additional quality, you could argue, in the forward areas. And I, I looked at it and I went, Neymar scored. That will deflate Croatia. That will be that. I'll tell you what I'll do now. I'll dash home and make sure that I get home with plenty of time to watch the second game. And then I get on the train. And then my phone starts popping off. Croatia won, Brazil won. And I thought, what have I done? What have I done? And so I had to watch the remainder of it on my phone on BBC iPlayer with the signal constantly cutting out and refreshing every time I went under a tunnel. It was a nightmare. And I was so upset with myself that I ended up missing the well some of the conclusion to that game because my signal was so shit. But I enjoyed Netherlands, Argentina. So I guess, uh, you know, you take the rough with the smooth, but yeah, really annoyed. Um, Brazil out, big, big story, big, big story. But you know what? The Croatians are incredible. And I just want to say this before we do jump over to the questions. I know I've digressed a little bit. I just want to say this. For a nation that's only been an independent nation since 1991, that has less than 4 million people in the country, their footballing pedigree is sensational. It, honestly, it's amazing to see a nation like Croatia achieving what they're achieving. They have reached the World Cup semi-finals in both of the last two competitions. This one and obviously 2018 when they beat England and went all the way to the final. So a minimum of the last four in the two last two World Cups. People said a lot of these players were over the hill. People said a lot of these players were past their sell-by date. And there's players in that side, like the goalkeeper, for example, Orsic. There's players in that side that play their football in Croatia and are completely overlooked as a result and as a consequence of that. But when they turn up for their national teams, they are unbelievable. So yeah, big shout out to Croatia. Um, amazing job. And obviously they meet Argentina and Emmy Martinez <laughs> in the semi-final. Uh, the Dutch for me were really disappointing yesterday. Um, you know, they were second best for large parts of the game. Turned it on towards the end. The free kick routine for the equaliser was superb. Big Valkvekhorst popping up when it mattered most. And you've got to give them immense praise and credit for that. And I said last night that, you know, if I were Louis van Gaal and I'd rehearsed that on the training ground, despite having the glittering career that he has, I don't think he'll look back and, and think of a better moment than that. In terms of you work on something and it comes off at the biggest, in the biggest moment, on the biggest stage. So, yeah, amazing stuff. Um, obviously went to extra time. Argentina were knocking on the door in extra time and probably deserved to win it in the end on penalties. But, um, yeah, another classic game. And let's hope we get a couple of games like that today 
as well, because uh, Morocco, Portugal is around about an hour and 20 minutes away from kickoff as we record this now. Right. Let's take some of your questions uh, before I disappear into the sunset. Uh, Avic says, question, do you want Messi to win the World Cup? If yes, that means Emmy Martinez will win it and his ego will be on top of Everest. So I do want Messi to win it. Um, and my want for Messi to win it uh, supersedes my want for Emmy Martinez not to win it, if that makes sense. Listen, I, I don't I don't really have an issue with Emmy Martinez, but I just think he, he comes across sometimes as a bit of an idiot. Um, you know, that interview yesterday, some people will say, oh, well, you know, he's showing all of his emotions and that's what we want from players. We want them to be honest. Yeah, we want them to be honest. But, you know, all the disrespect, all the, the shithousery, we saw that on the pitch from both sides. You know, Argentina give as good as they get. You know, the Dutch, yeah, OK. We know, you know, they, they do things in a certain way. We know that they get under people's skin, especially under Louis van Gaal. It's something that they've become almost synonymous with. But the Argentines give as good as they get. And and that's fine. But then to go into a, an interview and, and you know, call out, first of all, uh, the referee in the way he did, I thought was ridiculous because the free kick that he's complaining about that was given on the edge of the box that led to the equaliser, it is a free kick. It's a stupid foul, if I'm not mistaken, by Nicolas Otamendi. It's a stupid foul. And that's that. You know, and there, there were a couple of Argentine you know, decisions as well that probably went their way. The penalty, although I think it was a penalty just, was was soft. So they, you know, had the benefit of the doubt there. Um, you know, Messi probably should have been booked. What about the lad that booted the ball into the Dutch dugout and, and got away with it, um, you know, without any really serious consequences? So I think the referee, you know, was pretty good yesterday. And to hear him sort of slated by Martinez called useless, and, and Martinez says that he was trying to help Holland. I think that's overstepping the mark a little bit. And then you add to that that he went after Louis van Gaal, who was just doing what any manager does and backing and supporting his team. A Louis van Gaal that's suffering from, from cancer at the moment and he's going through, you know, so many emotions, you can imagine. I just thought it lacked class from Emi Martinez. Now, I'm not saying that he premeditated it and that he, you know, looked to take an aim and swipe at Louis van Gaal. Maybe... It was his emotions getting the better of him as well. But it just, it didn't sit right with me. It wasn't very nice. It wasn't what I want to see. It wasn't a, a display of sportsmanship. What you do in between the, the, the referee's whistle to start the game and the final whistle, that's completely different for me. But to stand in front of the world's media and speak the way he did, I thought was, was pathetic, to be honest. And, you know, he can bang on all he wants about what he's doing at international level. At the end of the day, mate, you play for Aston Villa, with all due respect, who have been going nowhere for a long time and hence recently sacked their manager and have just appointed a manager that we sacked three years ago. So your club career is not exactly thriving, mate. So chill the hell out is, is what I would say to Emmy Martinez. Um, Caleb says, uh, hi, Harry, watching from Liberia. Uh, welcome to you, mate. I hope it's warmer and sunnier. Uh, in Liberia than it is here because it's horrible. Uh, he says, what's your ideal signings for this winter? You know, if you're asking me what my ideal is, it would be a midfielder, a striker and a winger. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think if we can bring in a couple of players that not only help us in the interim, but also help in our long term build as well. Players that, you know, will have use for afterwards and not like Pablo Marie slash Cedric Suarez signings. If you know what I mean, that that's what I'm looking for in terms of specific names. I'd love João Felix, as you've probably guessed over the last few days. Um but can that be done in January? I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd like Mikhailo Mudrik, but I'd be wary of really going crazy in terms of the asking price on him. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, as I say, a couple of players is is, is what I'd be happy with, to be honest with you. Um, let's take this one from Matt. He says, do you think being top of the table could make it more difficult to move players on in Jan? Players might not want to leave as they could be part of a title race. Potentially, but I don't think there's uh, there's too many players in that squad now, Matt, that Mikel Arteta will look at and, and say, yeah, I'm quite willing to let you go at this stage. I think we've streamlined it quite well. I think we've trimmed it down a lot. And and so all the people that are there are invested and, and Mikel Arteta needs and relies upon in some way, shape or form. I think there's a few in there that if an offer came and the offer was good, Arsenal would probably take it. Rob Holding is one of those uh, that comes to mind when I think about that. But 
you know, Cedric, another one. But I don't think Arsenal would be desperate to move anyone on at this stage, if I'm being honest. Uh, let's take this one from Tired Gunasaurus, who says, do you believe we can get Tielemans in Jan and what price? I do think we need cover for Xhaka. Tielemans, you might be able to get him in January if you... Um, Sorry, just chucking a locket into my mouth because my throat's going tingly. Um, do you think we can get Tielemans in Jan? I think we could get Tielemans if we gave Leicester City a, a reasonable offer and a, a decent amount of money. But a bit like what I was saying about Evan and Dika earlier on, I think Yuri Tielemans will want to be in that power position as well. I think Arsene Wenger called this out and pointed this out a long, long time ago and people laughed at him. But actually, it's come true. What you get now is you get a lot of top players who understand their worth and understand that rather than clubs exchanging vast amounts of money for their transfer, if you run down a contract, you are then in a position to demand, okay, not as much money, but also a significant amount of money. And it goes straight into yours and your agent's pockets. There is no middleman. There is no need uh, to consider the finances of the clubs involved. All you need to do is agree personal terms and a signing on package with that one club and, and obviously a deal being done with one club is much easier than a deal being done with two so I just think Yuri Tielemans has stuck it out this long he didn't leave in the summer so I think he'll probably hold on until the end of the season and then uh, and then take it from there um, and, and as I say you know take the um, take the majority of the money for himself um, Pan Rasta says hey Harry where would Arsenal's position be at the end of the season if we don't address our injury situations during the transfer window, depends how severe for me that the Jesus injury is. I still think we could finish in the top three. Um, you know, we we got to be lucky. We need a bit of luck along the way, and we we just don't have um, that when it comes to injuries. We never have, and it, it drives me a little bit insane. But you know, we are where we are, and, and we can't really do a lot about it. If if what you're asking me is, do I think Arsenal completely fall off the wagon if we don't bring in players in January, then my answer is no. Um, I think we've got enough in the squad. There's enough togetherness, enough unity. I think Mikel Arteta's learned a lot of lessons as well. I think we'll be okay. Um, Snipe Dot, just going back to the Croatia point. If you remember, Croatian players made up the majority of the former Yugoslavia side and they were always a dangerous team internationally and domestically. Remember Red Star Belgrade? Yeah, it's a great point. And my dad always speaks to me about this, about how strong Yugoslavia were back in the day. Um, obviously, a bit before my time, but yeah, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. They've always had that pedigree, but obviously to do it as a standalone nation as well um, is pretty, um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Diallo says, uh, are you as confident as me about our impact, our important contract renewals? I'm so chilled about it. I'm not going to say I'm so chilled about it. Um, I think that's a bit too far for me to go. But I'm confident. Yeah, I'm quietly confident that Arsenal have shown enough in terms of their progress, in terms of the direction they're moving in. And um, and I think that it's a much easier job to convince people that this is where their future lays now than it was two, three seasons ago. So, yeah, why not? Uh, why not? Why not be quietly optimistic? I'm going to take one more from Jid, but before I do that, let me just quickly uh, give you guys a nudge once again to hit the like button. I wanted 200 likes. There's 468 of you live with me right now, but we've only got 109 on the board. Come on, hit the like button. It doesn't cost a thing. Like, 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 and subscribe as well, because as I say, we are closing in on that amazing milestone of 25,000. We're less than 250 subscribers away now on YouTube alone. And that doesn't even include all the amazing people that listen on the audio platform. So please uh, like, subscribe, you know the drill. Last question then, uh, before I disappear into the sunset. Uh, Jude says, a lot of fans claim the squad is thin. What is your idea of an adequate squad? How many players for each position? Because as I see it, there's a lot of cover and versatility in the squad. So I think you make a great point. I think that if you've got versatility, then you don't need as many numbers. Um, but at the same time, smaller numbers can mean problems with three or four players being out injured. So I think there's a balance to be found there. So, for example, I think if you've got a, a pool of midfielders, for example, OK, but in within that pool of midfielders, you've got 
versatility in the sense of they can play different roles. So someone can play as a six, but can also play as an eight or someone who can play as an eight can occupy the 10 role or in Fabio Vieira's case, for example, can play from the right or left if you need him to. I think that's okay. But there are some core positions for me whereby you need specific cover. I think a centre forward is that. I think we need specific centre forward cover. And we're going to see now, aren't we, whether that's Eddie Nketiah or not, whether he's at that level. Centre back, I think the same. You know, I don't think you can, you know, makeshift people into those positions. And I think at fullback, it's the same. I don't like shoehorning players in at fullback. But there are certain roles within the team that you can, of course, cover with versatility. Um, you know, in terms of the number of a squad when you're in Europe as well, I think you probably need 25 players. Um, but again, that's that's got its issues as well. You know, you uh, you want to pay 25 players wages. You might be able to pay 23 better players and and balance it off that way. So it's it's really difficult to know exactly what the the right size for a squad is. Your your point around versatility is great, and I completely agree with that. But I still think there are just a handful of positions for me within a football team whereby you need specialist cover. And and particularly when you've got a very set system and a very specific way of playing, as we now do. For example, the sixth position, right? We don't have anyone in the group that can play it the way Thomas Partey does, and that's a problem. The number eight position, if Xhaka were out or Odegaard were out, Fabio Vieira could do it. But Fabio Vieira could also cover Saka on the right, maybe if you needed him to. Emil Smith-Rowe could cover one of those wide positions, but couldn't play as a six. So there, there's a few positions in this in this squad for me that are just so important and you can't half-arse them. You can't shoehorn people into them. And I think the centre of midfield and, and centre-back and a couple of other positions, centre-forward I mentioned, uh, is another one where that's really, really important. But great question. Really good question. Thank you all so, so much, as always, for tuning in. And uh, watching me talk uh, about the Arsenal, listening as well uh, to my rambles, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, it still baffles me as to why so many people want to tune in. But I'm so, so grateful for it. Thank you uh, all so, so much. Remember, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Remember, subscribe to the channel if you're new already. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be um, discussing the latest Arsenal news, but we'll also uh, look back at the uh, World Cup uh, quarterfinals, I nearly said semifinals, but quarterfinals that are taking place today as well. And um, yeah, I'll catch you all very, very soon. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Have a great weekend. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.